Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, we want to say greetings to everyone. Thank you all so much for uh, joining us today. My name is Brother Hall Bolton, and as usual, grateful to the Lord to be able to come before you and uh, share with you the things that the Lord has laid on my heart to share. So we have been uh, talking about God will not share glory, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go back to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians the uh, first chapter of First Corinthians, and we're going to start reading at verse 25. The first chapter of First Corinthians, uh, we're talking about God will not share glory. So the first chapter of First Corinthians, uh, start reading at verse 25, it says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And so what the word of God is saying here is that there are very few people who are noble, who are mighty after the flesh, you know, and wise after the flesh, who can actually stand to give God glory. Very few people. You see, that's why it says not many. That don't mean that there aren't any. It just means that there aren't many. And so let's read verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And so here we see uh, the fashion of God. Here we see the program of God and how he operates. Um, it is important to God that he receives glory and him alone, that he receives it. I want you to think about something. In the Garden of Eden, when Satan tempted Eve, um, he, he the, the thing that pushed her over was when he said, God does know in the day that you eat thereof, you will be like him, knowing both good and evil. Now, was it really knowledge, acquiring knowledge of good and evil that tipped her over? Was it really that she would get to know a little bit more than what she knew already? We, we know that she had knowledge of good, but was it really knowledge that tipped her over? No. It was the fact of being like God. It was the fact of receiving glory like God. In other words, I get to know just as much as what God knows. And, you know, maybe I get to put myself in the place of God, in other words. So Satan used the exact same thing that got him overthrown to, to overthrow her. Now, says in the book of Revelation, 
that the tail of the dragon drew, drew a third of the stars, which means that Satan, when he rebelled against God, he talked a third of the angels into rebelling with him. You have to know that part of that rebellion, you have to know that part of him talking a third of the angels with him into rebelling against God had to do with glory. We know that Satan himself wanted glory because of what his high-minded and him lifting himself up, what he said, I will ascend above the stars of God and ascend my throne above the stars of God and things like that. And so, in other words, he wanted to receive glory the way that God received glory. And so uh, usually uh, the way Satan trips us up as, as humans is by trying to get us to take glory some kind of way. Now, a lot of times we don't think of it in those terms, but that's exactly what he uses, the, the trick of trying to get us to receive glory, not in the aspect of, okay, everybody bow down and worship me, but in the aspect of us putting ourselves in the place of God. When you are, the Bible makes it clear that God clothes the lily of the fields. He makes it clear that he's the one to take care of. There's not one sparrow that falls out of the sky without him knowing about it. So he makes it clear to us that he's the one that takes care of us. When we try to step in that place and try to take care of ourselves, or we try to make our own way, or we're trying to figure things out, we're doing exactly what what we're talking about here. We are taking glory for ourselves. Even if it's in the uh, lineup of fear, we're still taking glory. for. In other words, we are taking God's place. Now the devil may have you operating in fear, trying to get you know, trying to get you to figure out how things are going to work out, and how, you know, trying to make your own way. But ultimately, what it all boils down to, when you strip away all of the external things that goes along with you thinking that you can take care of yourself, and you thinking that you you know that some kind of way you've made a way, it all boils down to you taking glory from God. If if you could just keep God in His place. You wouldn't be worried about how bills are going to be paid if if God was in his proper place in your life. You wouldn't be worried about, you know, all these different external things, you see that, that that, that we worry about sometimes. And a lot of times you, the, you may believe that it's a lack of faith, and that may be some of it. But oftentimes it, it really all boils down to not just a lack of faith, but also the fact that you have not put God in his place. Therefore, he's not receiving the glory that he deserves. You think about all the other, all the other times that God has stepped in for you and the, all the other times that God has done all these different things for you. And, of course, you can give him glory in that, and you know that is him. But so when you step in that place and you say, okay, God, I got it now, or I, I got it from here on out, or because that's what you're doing whenever you you pray to him and then you take it back trying to do these things yourself. You're basically saying you don't trust him, and he basically you're trying to take glory from him. You see that? You think about it. You ever think about sometimes God allows things to happen in your life. Sometimes God allows circumstances to come up in your life so that he can receive glory when he does bail you out, when he does help you out there, you see. But if you're busy trying to step in and do it, then who's receiving glory? You see that? 
And you can't blame it on the faith without works is dead. <laughs> Scripture. No, that's that's not faith that got you up worrying. That's not faith that's got you up trying to figure things out. You see that? That's a lack of faith, and it's you not keeping God in his proper place. You see that? So let's read verse 28 again. It says, And base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen, yeah, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, if there's one thing that God hates, is this, trying to glory at, 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 at all. This Bible makes it clear. Flesh will not glory in his presence. You ever stop and think that maybe you're in the situation you're in now because God knows if I, if I let them have their way in this, flesh is going to glory in it? You ever stop and think maybe that's why you're in the hole that you're in? You ever stop to think maybe that's why you're in the situation that you're in now because God knows that flesh will try to get glory out of it? You see that? Now, that's something for you to think about. You see that? But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You see that? Let him glory in the Lord. So it just reminds me of a time, especially um, when I first went into full-time ministry and I gave up my secular job. I had people come to me, several people, a lot of people, in fact, come to me because they knew that I had a degree in in um, in communication, you know, on the technical side of it. And they would tell me, you know, John, you're too smart. Or Brother Bowden, you're too smart not to not to, you know, work a secular job. You know, God didn't God gave you all of that brain, you know, that you have uh to to do this or to do that. They will tell me that. You, you're too smart to, to you know, give all of that up. They just could not understand how I could work in broadcasting for all those years and do the things that I was doing and know how to do the things that I knew how to do and just give all of that up for God's sake. And some of them would even say, well, no, that's not God. That's, God didn't tell you to do that. And I could only, my mind would just go back to, Peter and Andrew, how uh, when they were fishing, and James and John as well, they how they were all fishing, and the Lord told them, you know, from henceforth I'll make you fishers of men, and they the Bible says they forsook all and followed him. I can only imagine they must have went through as well. You see, there's this nothing new under the sun, and no doubt in my mind, folks were speaking against them. No doubt in my mind, people had a problem with. These men who were such great fishermen that had boats and had everything already lined up, had a lucrative business, just to give all of that up to follow the Lord. But what does the Bible say? You see that? That he chose the things which are despised. You see that? That's, that's what that means there. Things that society as a whole would look down upon. God said, I chose those things to confound the wise. I chose those things to bring to naught the things of the world. I chose those things that are despised. You see that? And and that's what we we have to have to realize. We have to come to that to that 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 place where, you know, we can't that's why when we become believers, we have to have a renewed mind. We can't think the way the world thinks. Now you've heard me say this before, we we can go back to Elijah. Elijah 
there was nothing wrong with him physically, as far as we know. He wasn't handicapped. But what did he tell him? Go to a certain place, and I, because I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And she was a young woman because she had a young son. You see that? And so for just about three years, he lived with this woman. And, and no doubt, people love, you know, people have always been people. No doubt people have talked about him. Well, what is this big grown man living on this widow for? Why is he living off of this? When in reality, it was him that was bringing life. They were, he was really the one. His presence was the one that was sustaining the woman. You see that? God wanted to use her obedience to bless her, letting that man, you know, uh, stay there. And so you see what I mean there. Because we don't talk about it today like that. And I tell you why, because we saw the miracles of God operating in this woman's life because of him being there. In other words, because he was there, she was actually the one that was sustained. And so today when we talk about it, we say, oh, praise God, there was this great mighty prophet and the gift of God operated through him where she never ran out of food and things like that. And also her son was raised from the dead. But that was just for back then, you see. <laughs> God doesn't do anything like that today, you see. So you see what the problem is? God still confounds him. And trust me, and just like what Jesus said, well, you know, when Jesus was walking this earth, people, uh, they, these, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would say, well, you know, if we had been back then, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. We wouldn't have rejected them. And Jesus said, but y'all are going to the tombs and, and keeping the tombs clean, you're, you're, and y'all are the sons and daughters of the ones who killed the prophets. So y'all, are, y'all, that's a testimony against yourself. In other words, you're singing the same tune that they did. Anybody can look back 100 years ago and see what could have been done and how things could have been looked at. But when you're living in that day and age, can you recognize it? That's what the Lord is saying. Can you recognize the power of God now when you're living in that day and age now? Or is it something your grandchildren are going to look back on and say, okay, yeah, I could see. I could see why that took place. You see that? Those prophets back in the Bible, they were looked at as crazy. They, they call Jesus Christ crazy, which is what the word mad means. John the Baptist, the same thing. Jeremiah's own parents despised him. You say, why? Because oftentimes prophets in the day and age that they live in don't appear to be. You see that oftentimes because they <clears throat> society deems them as being out of touch. You just, you know, you're just old-fashioned and things like that. And so this is what the word of God is saying here that God uses those things that are despised to bring to naught those things that are. You see that? And so why? Because God does not want flesh glorying in his presence. God will allow ministers to live through hard times like that so that even they don't glory. Think about even Paul, who wrote this book here, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He had a thorn in his flesh. And he said, when I, I sought God three times to remove it from me, and, and, and basically he was saying that God told him, I'm going to allow that thorn to remain there because my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul understood that it was so that he wouldn't be lifted up as the, the grace of God that was given to him 
in writing and, and, and the knowledge and the, the wisdom that God had gave him concerning the new covenant, God was saying, I'm going to allow that thorn to remain there so that you're not lifted up. Now, you see how much God despises flesh glory? You ever stop and think that maybe you're suffering now because you haven't gotten to a place that maybe you have a thorn in your flesh that God really does intend to remove? But because you haven't gotten to a place yet where you won't be lifted up, where pride won't set in, you haven't gotten to that place yet, God just allows that thing to remain in your life. You see that? You ever stop and think God allows you to go through what you're going through to help you to remain humble? Stop and think even God himself, when he came in the form of Jesus Christ, he allowed Jesus Christ to suffer to bring about humility, he, he, he learned that. He didn't come here riding fancy horses, wearing fancy clothes, with a whole bunch of money. You know what it was? He knew the day will come, well, I have to give up my life for mankind. Do I really want to invest a whole lot in life and live unto myself? You see that? It, you, you think about that now. You think about when the first time we read about Satan coming to tempt him. What's the first thing he says? If you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now, if Jesus would have done that, it would have been out of pride at, at Satan's command. Why? Because it would have been to prove who he was. God don't want you glorying in flesh. He don't, you, when you're walking in the place where you're supposed to be walking in the Lord, you, you don't have anything to prove. And so these people, they would come to me, say, Brother Bolden, or whatever it was they would call me at the time, you're too smart not to not to be working a secular job. You're too smart. You know, all that God gave you, and that just shows you how, <clears throat> how natural-minded people can be. God gave you those smarts, and, and, you know, and a lot of people were coming to me, they had no idea how smart I was. They never saw me take a test, never saw me on the job. That was, you know, I guess they just knew what I was doing, you know, before I went to full-time ministry. But a lot of them saying, Brother Bolden, <clears throat> you too smart. You too smart to give up your job and to, to you know, you sure that's God telling you that? Some of them even, I mean, they, they had all kinds of job opportunities for me, all kinds of job opportunities for me. I mean, would come to me with jobs. Some of them were. Uh, managers on that job are saying, you know, I'll hire you if you'll, you know. And I, I, I really had to work on keeping myself from getting aggravated. I knew that <clears throat> in their minds, <clears throat> they were working. They were trying to really help out because they were doing it from a place of not understanding. But I also knew that it was a spirit that was not of God that was operating through them. And and that's where some of my frustration came from, you know, because they were not in a place, and they couldn't see that they were being used by the enemy. And so, you know, of course, now my thought about it was this. Now, I I, I never did once think, you know, well, maybe they're right. I, I never once thought that. But my, my thought was this. Why can't y'all see? What good is my brain if it's dead? What good is being smart if I'm out of the will of God? You see that? What what good 
what good does that? See how all of that was just going in flesh glorying? They were glorying in this, what they thought was here. But what good is this if I'm out of God's will? If you really believe I'm smart, like you say you think, then believe I'm smart enough to follow God. <laughs> that that should be your first thought, that God did give me that much brain. You see that? But see, when people uh, go with the ways of the world, when people see things through natural eyes instead of through spiritual eyes, that, that it's going to be a war all the time. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, flesh ain't going to glory. Anything that goes against God, ultimately, you can push it back on flesh. Ultimately, flesh is responsible for it, you see. And, and so I, that was my thinking. Yeah, I could go out and get a job, no problem. And God may even allow me to do that as far as because he's not going to stop my free will, maybe. But you know, what good is that if I'm out of God's will? I'm more concerned with my spiritual being, my soul, you see. And so when you're talking about that God would not share glory, God is not interested in how smart you are. He's not interested in you trying to work things out yourself. You see that? He's only interested. God will allow situations to happen in your life so that he can receive glory. Now, what you have to understand and what your thinking process as a believer should be, okay, God, how can you get glory out of this situation when those situations do arise? Instead of complaining about it, instead of murmuring about it, instead of trying to figure out how things are going to work out, you should be asking God, how are you going to receive glory in this situation? When your mind gets focused on that, you think about the, 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 the young lady, Hannah, who was married to a man who had another wife, and this wife, is, she's just having babies all over the place. And, of course, back then that was something that was looked down upon when women didn't have babies. Women desired to have children, you know, when they were married. It, ain't, it's not, it wasn't like it is today where women wanted to and they done if they want that, you see. Back then that was a reproach for a woman to be married and not have children. And so no doubt now she was, she felt like this other woman having babies all over the place and she's despising me because I can't have children. And so she prayed and prayed to God about it. But when her focus shifted, you see, when her focus shifted, okay, God, if you give me a baby, it was no longer about give me a baby because this other one over here, she having babies all over the place, and this ain't fair. And, and some of you, when your focus shifts from, okay, Lord, fix my marriage because other marriages are working out. I know that you are dangerous. When your focus shifts, you see that, from one thing to the other, when your focus shifts from, woe is me, I'm the one that's hurt and I deserve, I know, you know, when your focus shifts from the flesh side to the spiritual side, just like Hannah's focus shifts, okay, God, if you give me a son, I give him back to you. In other words, when Samuel was born and she winged him, in other words, he got old enough to be able to feed himself and he was no longer on the breast, what happened? She brought him to the temple. She brought him to Eli. And Samuel, she was only around Samuel once a year. She came to do that sacrifice, and that's when she saw him. 
So it was no longer about, you know, give me a son so that people can see I can have babies. I'm going to walk into the store and we're going to go to the park and play. And it was no longer about flesh glory. It was about, God, if you give me this, I'll give him back to you. And I'm telling you, if our focus changed off of flesh, you'd be surprised what God may bless you with. But you see, here's the thing. God don't want to bless you with anything that he knows is going to corrupt you. God was not going to give Hannah a son as long as it was for the purpose of trying to outdo this other woman, some jealousy and catfighting going on. You see that? When flesh moved out of the way, that's when the spirit man could handle what God wanted to bless it with. And that's what we have to understand. You see, that's what we have to understand. So if you have your Bibles, just read it briefly. Uh, well, no, we're going to keep reading. Chapter 2, uh, uh, actually the last part of that chapter there, verse 31. It says that according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let's keep reading verse chapter 2, uh, verse 1. It says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, you know, I've heard people take that scripture. We'll just go off here just for a minute. I've heard people take this scripture and say that that's all Paul preached, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I've heard people tell that lie, just preach the cross. And the Bible don't say that. They take, see that? <laughs> and this is where we get off at. All of these books, these epistles that Paul wrote, and that's all he talked about was Jesus Christ dying on the cross? No, not even in this book. <laughs> he was talking about when he first came to these people. Look at what he says there, verse 2. Let's read that again. For I determined not to know anything among what? You. In other words, when I was around you, who is you? You Corinthian people. Why? Let's read. Let's go back to verse 22 of chapter 1. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek wisdom. The church at Greek, these were Greek people. And they were these people like Socrates and Plato. They like to sit around and quote, you know, little silly sayings. If the tree falls in the forest will it, and nobody's around, does it really make a sound? And everybody, ooh, that's deep. And so Paul knew, I can't go in there displaying everything that I know because they'll think I'm just like them, and they'll be trying to come over their own little books of the Bible to write. So when I go among them, I have to go among them with simplicity. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all. You get that and let that be your doorway when you walk through that door, then God can give you some more to go with that. And so what is he saying? Well, I determined to know not to know anything among you you see that? He said what well, he determined. He said, I acted like all I knew was Jesus Christ and him crucified. I could have shared all this other stuff that I'm sharing now in this book that I'm writing, this, this epistle that I'm writing. I could have talked to them about speaking in tongues and about being on one accord and, you know, the, the communion. And I could have talked to y'all all about that when I first met you. But the first thing I needed to do was get you saved. So this is not a mandate for all preachers to just stick with Jesus Christ and him crucified. You can get people saved, and they still have a carnal mind. So now you've got to teach them how to renew their mind. You have to disciple them. You see that? 
And so Paul, with all of the brain that he had, with all of the wisdom that God gave him, he still, he looked at the situation and decided, you know what, I can't go in here and win these people with all of this extra stuff that I, that God has given me. He chose to walk in humility among those people in what he knew. As far as these people knew at first, all he knew was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Think about it. that same writer. He says, I counted all that I knew as dumb so that I may win the more. You see that? I counted all that I knew as dumb. He was talking about before he got saved. All that stuff he learned, he didn't know. In fact, all those things were what was, was, what was really working against his knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see that? And so what is he saying to us? We need to look at different situations and determine how to walk in those situations. He could have went in there trying to prove all of that he knew and trying to push all of that on the people. He didn't do that. You know, I, I, and I, I took a lesson from that. There are plenty of things that the Lord has revealed to me that I haven't said. Some of you, I've sat down with you individually and spoke with you about certain things. And some people have wrote to me when they find out that the Lord had revealed a certain thing to me and said, well, Brother Bowden, why don't you preach on that? Everybody needs to know that. And I agree. Everybody does need to know. But in turn, you see that? This ain't about flesh glory. And, and, you know, when we open up our word, when we open up the word of God and we read it, if we'll read it with the mindset of, okay, God, reveal to me what you want me to know, not for the purpose of going to share it, but so that I can grow, then God reveals something to us. But if we're trying to get in God's word just to prove how much we know, that, then we're in trouble. You see that? And that's what Paul is saying here. I didn't come to you revealing to you everything that I knew. I come to you in the simplicity of the cross. That's what got you saved. Now I can write to you about all these other things that I'm writing to you about. You see that? And so, in other words, when flesh move out of the way, then the glory of God can be seen through us. You see that? And that's God's will. Amen. I want to say thank you all for joining us today. I know that some of you have uh, emailed us desiring prayer and desiring us to answer certain questions, and we will get to those but we want to finish what the Lord has for us to finish here, and then we'll get to those, okay? So just be patient with us, and we are praying with you, but we will continue to pray with you and pray with you over this broadcast as well. So thank you all for joining us today. Pray that something was said that has blessed you, and we look forward to sharing more God's Word with you. Have a blessed day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.